Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today, I'd like to talk to you about how to overcome exhaustion in motherhood. And even if you're not a mother, maybe you're in some kind of ministry or outreach or service to others that just has you feeling drained and depleted. These are some biblical principles that have really, really helped me in my motherhood journey, my ministry journey, whenever I'm starting to feel burned out, run down, depleted, and exhausted. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you know about a couple exciting things happening at Set Apart Girl. First and foremost, we have a new online course called Beauty for Ashes, and this is a four-week course about how to gain a heavenly perspective through trials and suffering and difficulty. You can go to setapartgirl.com to learn more and purchase this course, or you can join our online mentoring program, and the course will be automatically included with your membership. Also, if you are hungry for a season to come away from the distractions of your life and become grounded in truth like never before, consider joining us for our upcoming week-long training program at Ellerslie in Colorado. It's happening the second week of November, and there are still a few spots left if you'd like to hop in on that. It's a week on campus of really in-depth, life-changing truth, and then 90 days of follow-up training online after your return home. You can go to ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com to learn more and to register. We also have programs in 2021 if you can't make it out this year. So let's dive into overcoming exhaustion in motherhood. And again, you can apply these principles to other areas in life besides motherhood, This is a specific area that I've really applied these principles, and we just finished our marriage and motherhood retreat, and this is something that I shared at that retreat, and it was really probably the most powerful part of the weekend for me, just because the truth and the biblical principles are so practical for me. I started out by talking about one of my very favorite stories in scripture, and it's really just a pretty obscure story, but it's when the disciples were traveling by boat with Jesus, and they realized that they forgot to bring bread. And that's an interesting thing for the Bible to note because forgetting bread seems like such a simple thing, and yet there were 12 able-bodied, (laughs) sharp-minded disciples who could have remembered to bring bread. They only had one loaf in the boat with them, so they, they were on this journey and they had no food. And it makes me wonder, were they so distracted and overwhelmed and exhausted from all that they had poured out in ministry that they couldn't even remember something that basic and simple? If that was the case, I certainly can relate to it because I've had many moments like that, especially in motherhood of six children and being in full-time ministry where I feel like I'm stretched and pulled in so many directions that I start to forget the basic things that should be easy to remember. And I remember one time in particular rushing out the door, trying to get my daughter to her violin lesson, you know, zooming out you know, of the house and making sure we had everything and then getting there and realizing we didn't even have her violin. So it was kind of pointless that we rushed out the door. And that was just one of many examples in my life. But even this past week or two, there have been some things that have happened in, in my motherhood journey that just have made me feel like, oh, I should have done that better. I should have done that differently. I forgot to do this. Should I have tended to that better and I start to really think through all the ways that I, I could be doing better and the ways that I'm failing and falling short as a mother even though I my heart is to give my very best to my children. I think it's interesting in this story that when the disciples made that mistake and they failed and they fell short in something so simple and basic, Jesus actually didn't rebuke them for their oversight or for being careless. His only rebuke was for their lack of faith. Here's what the scripture says. Now, the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. 
But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see? Having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. Also, when I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, Seven. So he said to them, How is it that you do not understand? Now, what can we learn from this story? Jesus was reminding them that even if they didn't do everything perfectly, they were with the perfect one. And he warned them not to become hard of heart and to forget his faithfulness and his willingness to provide everything that was needed. In the same way, I have come to learn that godly motherhood is truly impossible in my own strength, with my own resources, with my own wisdom. It's probably very similar to how the disciples must have felt when Jesus told them to do the impossible when he asked them to feed a crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children. That's kind of how I feel sometimes when I'm bringing up children in today's culture. It really is an impossible task to raise up children that are passionate about the things of God in the midst of a world that is so anti-God and growing darker by the day. It's an impossible task, and it can make any of us feel completely inadequate and overwhelmed. Let's look at what the disciples were facing when Jesus presented them with an impossible task. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And he said to them, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Let's look at how the story flows. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? They were questioning because Jesus was literally telling them to do something that was impossible. The odds were completely against them. They were in a deserted place. The day was far spent, and it would cost a fortune to feed the crowd just one meal. But Jesus still said, you give them something to eat. When they panicked, what were they missing? They were missing the fact that they were with the bread of life himself. All they needed was to get in step with him, and they would have everything they needed for that impossible task. The feeding of the 5,000, that miracle happened once the disciples allowed Jesus to be Jesus. Then the task was no longer impossible. They needed that miracle worker to perform his work. They certainly could not accomplish the task in their own strength. Now, it's important to keep in mind that the disciples still had a role to play in all of this. They didn't just sit by passively watching Jesus perform his miracle. They actually worked in cooperation with him as this miraculous event unfolded. It says in Matthew 14, 35 through 42, Jesus commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they did. They sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. So Jesus supplied the bread and the fish, and he gave them to his disciples for that impossible task that they were called to do, feeding a crowd of 5,000 people. When Jesus did his work, the disciples could effectively do their work that they were called to. 
And what I have learned and what God has been pressing home for me even more in these past few weeks is that the pattern for successful motherhood or ministry or any other kind of service is this. Jesus supplies the resource, the wisdom, the provision, the peace, the courage, the discipline, the self-control, the love, etc., whatever we need in order to fulfill the impossible task of motherhood or serving. We are called to receive those things from him and then act with what we have been given, just as the disciples fed the multitude with the provision that Jesus gave them. They didn't do it in their own strength, with their own resources, because they would have fallen far short. What really leads to exhaustion in motherhood or in other areas of serving? Burnout and exhaustion happens when we try to take over Jesus' role as the miracle worker instead of taking the disciples' role of obedient participants in the miracle. If the disciples had tried to do things their own way, in the end, everyone would have remained unsatisfied, frustrated, and still hungry because the only way to truly be filled is to receive from the bread of life himself. As Jesus said in John 6, 26, you ate of the loaves and were filled. This is true for motherhood and serving as well. The very best we could ever give to our children or to anyone else is like giving them a tiny crumb of bread compared to the glorious, satisfying feast they can only receive from the bread of life, Jesus himself. No matter how impressive we are at the physical or practical aspects of motherhood or serving, until we get out of the way and let Jesus take over, we will fall far short in giving our children or others what they truly need in light of eternity. Now, there's nothing wrong at being excellent in things like child training or homeschooling or righteous living or home management or ministry administration, as long as we don't place our confidence in those things, but in Christ alone. As long as we work in cooperation with the Spirit of God, not just human wisdom. As long as we remain dependent on Jesus every step of the way. As long as we realize that without Him, we can do nothing of any real value. We need to understand that everything we could ever have to give, we have to receive from him. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you you did not receive? If you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? How often do we fall into that trap, forgetting the fact that anything of value that we could truly offer anybody else only comes from him? And let's never forget, being a wonderful, successful, excellent mother or servant of any kind is not about being perfect. It's about getting in step with the perfect one. Jesus himself gave us the secret to being a mother or a ministry leader or a servant or whatever it is that you're called to, a Christian that truly reflects the pattern of heaven. And he said this in John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. There is no other way to fulfill that high calling of bringing up children or pouring out your life for someone else because no lasting fruit can come from our mothering or our serving if we fail to abide in him. Now, as busy mothers or busy women in this culture, how do we abide in Jesus? Abide in this verse means to continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present, to remain, and to stand. Now, that's not a passive command. It's an active one. We're called to actively and purposely continue, dwell, endure, be present, remain, and stand with Jesus Christ. 
One of the most practical ways that I have found to do this is to remove distractions from my life. And the quote that I always go back to from Amy Carmichael says it so beautifully, comrades in this solemn fight, let it let us settle it as something that can never be shaken. We are here to live holy, loving, lowly lives. We cannot do this unless we walk very, very close to our Lord. Anything that would hinder us from the closest walk possible till we see him face to face is not for us. One of the things that helps me so much to remove the things that hinder me from abiding in Christ is to continually prayerfully ask these questions. Is there anything in my life that is hindering me from the closest walk possible with Jesus Christ? And if so, am I willing to remove that thing from my life in order to abide in him more fully? Some of our common distractions today would be an overemphasis on our social life or an overindulgence in social media, an overfocus on pop culture, entertainment, and distraction, or an overfixation with personal things, health, personal appearance, hobbies. Our devices can be a distraction. Personal pursuits and dreams and desires can be a distraction. Are we willing to lay those things at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I don't want to choose good things over the best thing? Final thoughts that I'd like to share with you today. Godly motherhood or godly serving in any way is a high calling and a privilege, but it involves working in cooperation with the Spirit of God rather than trying to take over His job and do things our way. Serving and giving and pouring out for our families is is a spiritual act of worship unto the one who gave everything for us. And here's a powerful quote from Elizabeth Elliot that brings such great perspective to motherhood or any other task that can be draining to us. This job has been given me to do. Therefore, it is a gift. Therefore, it is a privilege. Therefore, it is an offering I may make to God. Therefore, it is to be done gladly if it is done for him. Here, not somewhere else, I may learn God's way. In this job, not in some other, God looks for faithfulness. And faithfulness comes when we go to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, how can I get in step with you, the miracle worker? I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into Christ-centered motherhood, please see our website, setapartmotherhood.com. There's an online course. There are articles and podcasts and other resources to help you bring Christ into the center of your mothering. You can also go to setapartgirl.com, which has loads of resources on living a Christ-centered, Christ-enabled life. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.